Welcome to the Game of Crowdfunding Interview Edition, recorded January 1st, 2014. That's right, this will be our second interview of the day. We're starting off 2014 right. We're bringing interview after interview to you. And my new interview for the day is coming from who is joining us on Skype today. This is Chase Callow from Indie PopCon. That's right, Indie PopCon, a new convention coming to us out of Indianapolis that was just recently successfully kickstarted. Looks like the dates are May 30th through June 1st of 2014. Is that correct? That is correct, sir. The weekend after Memorial Day. All right. So uh, we're going to spend some time with Chase here, getting to know him and the other individuals behind Indie PopCon. It was mostly via Twitter and via, I believe, Gray Matter was the individual that kept saying, hey, you guys should talk. <laughs> uh, so I think that's where I had seen a lot of Indie PopCon kind of pop up in our feed and started looking into the fact that you guys were planning a convention. And not only planning a convention, but using Kickstarter, which uh, we'll get into a, a couple things on that later. But before we even go there, I got a few questions that I tend to start off everybody with, and then we, we just talk, Chase. <laughs> oh, that sounds good. All right. So what do you do as a profession, sir? Well, right now, I used to be working at Half Price Books, a used bookstore that was actually, you're, you're out of Texas, right? I'm out of Minnesota. Minnesota. Why did it say Texas on there? Other Austin. <laughs> ah, okay. There we go. All right, then. The, the um, cold Austin. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The, the much colder Austin. <laughs> so yeah, I used to work there and I actually just had a friend who he moved out of state and he's let me stay at his house for a year and a half rent free. So right now I've got some art that I do, some spray paint, stencil based art and a few different things, but uh, no real big boy job right now other than trying to get this popcorn going. What makes you a geek, sir? Well, I have my father to thank for that. I can't think of any better way than he is what I think of as one of the originators during the whole geek time. The few memories that I have of him, because he, he died when I was young, always involved late night board gaming running computers back when they were eight inch floppies, you know, and he'd play dungeon crawlers on his computer where you'd go through one room and you'd have to pull out that eight inch floppy and put another one in. <laughs> I remember those days. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, reading Tolkien to me, you know, I remember he had his pewter D and D minis that he would get set up. And I mean, it was literally any and everything geek related. He just brought us up in my brother and I, um, we had the star Wars trilogy on VHS. We went through, Two sets of those. We played them out so much that we had to get new versions, which I didn't know was possible. You know, and then I hit high school and it wasn't cool to be a geek. So I tried to hide it, you know, like my magic playing. I couldn't tell people that I played Magic the Gathering, you know, while on the side I, w I saved up so I could go to the Magic the Gathering summer camp out in Washington State, nice. which was, yeah, amazing. And then just, you know, throughout pretty much the rest of my life, I, I, I tried to push it aside for a bit in terms of not being vocal about it. And then I realized like, that's, that's what I am. That's what I've always been. And so now, yeah, I'm, I'm as full board nerd geek, whatever you want to call it. It's what I've always been. So, okay. 
And do you have any geek level passions that you take to a kind of geek level, the, the passion you have for it, but something that other individuals probably wouldn't consider a geek passion? Well, my current geek passion right now, you know, I've been put in a very lucky place where, like I told you, I, I don't have to work right now and I'm able to, to make enough money doing some of my side things that where I'm moving into, the guy who's letting me live there is being so awesome about it. And I'm basically having a chance to do all the things as a kid, my mother would never let me do. Um, so that's, that's metalworking, leatherworking, basically anything fantasy related that I saw as a kid, I finally get a chance to do on my own. And so what I'm trying to do is bring everybody I know that wants to do those things there to be able to do it too. Then we're going to have kickball, dodgeball and nerf fights. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. This interview is going to be probably a little bit different because again, we're not, we're not talking about a uh, game and we're not talking about game design and all that good stuff, but uh, we're definitely going to get into Kickstarter lessons and all that good stuff. Cause this was a uh, convention that this will be the first year, correct? Yes. Okay. Our inaugural year. All right. So the first year, which was successfully funded through Kickstarter. So they were able to use Kickstarter. One of the things when we get into those lessons is, is kind of nice in that it's only been the last maybe year and a half, I would say, where conventions have been doing better on Kickstarter because there was a very initial stretch where if you saw a convention on Kickstarter, you were like, oh, that's unfortunate because it's a convention and it probably won't fund. To getting to a point where you guys were looking for $12,000, I think it was? Yes. And you got above and beyond, if I remember right, over 16000 was it? Yes, I believe so, yeah. And meet our last stretch goal, but we got close to. Yeah, so I mean, that's kind of amazing. You know, uh, to go from a time when conventions were just like, oh, that's and even then, I mean, I've seen conventions try to use Kickstarter to get like five hundred dollars to a thousand dollars and fail in the early days to a point where yourself, BerserkCon, I believe was successful and a few others have been successful recently using Kickstarter to launch a brand new convention. So it's, it's cool to see. Well, and the important part for us was that, you know, as you're saying, like, it's great now that conventions are able to get that funding through Kickstarter. While we recognize the possibility of Kickstarter being able to do that, we wanted to show the people that this was for us to I guess, improve our convention. You know, we wanted to let them know first off that we did have the funding to get it started, but in order for us to make it bigger, which we wanted to do, we were looking for their help. And so Kickstarter really helped us in not only getting the public's feedback on that, but also showing that we have the support out there to grow because we, we had purchased our, our initial convention space through our own finances. And we realized we wanted to have more space for gaming and different things like that. We didn't have enough of that space allocated or enough space left to be able to do in our first year. So we thought rather than try and save it for the second year, if we go ahead and do a Kickstarter, then maybe the public will show us that, you know, there's demand enough initially for us to go ahead and do it. There's obviously more than just you behind Indie PopCon, Chase. So let's give some credit to your uh, fellow planners. Who else is involved with getting Indie PopCon off the uh, ground here? So there is at, at the core group of Indie Popcon, there are eight of us and we come from all different backgrounds, some from comics, some from just overall convention planning. You know, a few of us like myself and a few others came from, you know, Gen Con volunteering and stuff like that. And so there's Ryan, Carl, 
Larry, Brian, Rick, Sean, Papa. How many? Did I, I listed off seven there, I think, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and the great thing was, you know, we all got together and we all knew that we wanted to do this. And, and what we were able to do was once we had our, our initial idea, we broke it down and we looked at what everybody's core skills were, you know, and that's where we got certain people like Sean, who's doing all of our internet stuff, you know, like the website and all of that. So probably the people who you've heard about through social media, that a lot of that's all through him, you know, and he's been doing an amazing job with that. Rick, who helped us get a lot of our guests and has a lot of the experience when it comes to convention planning has been helping us with that. You know, Larry and Brian have been just like so essential in terms of, of helping us get all of just the planning stuff through and through Ryan in the same way, you know, using their big boy skills, you know, their, their real life job skills. We're able to take that and then utilize that towards our convention. You know, Ryan is, he plans events on large scales for his job. And so this is just another thing for him to, to add to it only with this, you know, it's, and not that he doesn't care about his other job, which he totally does, but this is like, you get to add that passion into it of planning an event that he's always wanted. Right. So, so let's, uh, talk a little bit about you and I talked before we started where this isn't going to be the, uh, game design process conversation, but there is some process and planning and all that good stuff that goes into something of, especially the scale. I mean, you guys are, are not coming out of the gate small from the looks of things at, at, by any means. So let's go back to um, where the seed started for starting Indie Popcorn. So way before we even get to the point where like, hey, let, let's approach Kickstarter. Where, where are the seeds start to get this con off the uh, ground? Well, I'd say like the, the seeds of it were probably about two to three years ago. Ryan, um, one of the core PopCon group members, you know, being the networker that he is, had somewhat in a roundabout way introduced all of us together, um, way back when, about two years ago. And, you know, it was during a Gen Con where we were sitting outside, uh, during lunch or something like that. And he was introducing me to Larry and Brian for the first time, you know, and we were sitting there talking and they were like, you know, we're, we're kind of thinking of, of doing this, this convention. And again, two years ago, it was all that like, well, we don't want to talk too much about it. You know, we're not sure, blah, 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 this and that. And at that point, it's the middle of Gen Con. I'm on, you know, like 12 pounds of caffeine and no sleep. So I, I didn't pay any mind to it. You know, I was just losing my crap in all other ways. And time passes and Ryan eventually goes back and he talks to him and they've been sitting on the idea of wanting to do it. And so Ryan asks him, he's like, is it all right if I, I take this idea, you know, and, and just work it over a bit, you know, take a look at it. And so Ryan brings it to Carl, another PopCon member and myself. And we kind of sit down with the idea and we think about what we want. And Ryan, Carl and myself, we've been Gen Con volunteers for a while. And being that Gen Con has been in Indiana for quite some time, we've come to, to love the fact that every year we have four days where it's like a geek is a normal person in downtown Indianapolis. You can literally talk about any game you want or dress however you want. And you're not going to be ridiculed in any way. And we wanted to find like that. It was like that Gen Con was the pusher man. They were giving us that, that free taste, you know, we wanted like, we wanted more of it. And so we were like, well, we need to try and find a way to have another convention here in Indiana. Cause that, that, that first fix just wasn't enough for us. 
And so we started looking at the idea and then we took it back to Brian and Larry and they liked what we had come together with. And that's when they brought Sean, Rick and Papa in. And this is all over the course of about two weeks, you know, where they're bringing them in and stuff like that. Um, and we all like it. And then we sit down with it. And from that point is really when PopCon started. And we started, you know, doing the regular meetings, figuring out when we wanted it to be, how we wanted it to be. And then we've just been working from from that point on. I like the fact that you started with, yeah, we've been talking about this and, and working off and on for like two years to get your first first one <laughs> off the ground. And I say that because I actually had somebody come to one of my conventions and say, yeah, we're uh, we're launching a convention next month. How did you do this, 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 and this? And, like, <laughs> and I, it was like, you do realize we planned our very first convention a year and a half in advance, right? <laughs> <laughs> So it's nice. And obviously you guys are coming from a very good background with, like you said, being Gen Con volunteers and all that stuff. I mean, you're not new to the process. So it's not like you're coming in completely clueless about what goes on with a convention, but you still took the time and, and the two and a half years to put everything in place and, and make sure that, uh, from, from what I see and from what I've been able to check out and, and conversations I've had, I mean, you're, you're coming out of the gate knowing what you want to present and presenting the con that you wanted to have. So that's awesome to see instead of just like, oh, yeah, let's do this next month. <laughs> yeah. And thank you so much. You kind of talked about how, you know, we've got Gen Con and that's awesome, but we need more. But was there ever a time during the process where you're like, well, you know, Indianapolis has Gen Con. Why do we need to do something? You know, you know what I mean? You're not at the same time and you're not competing, but it, was there ever any, oh my God, you know, Gen Con is already so big and huge and, and how are we going to fit in that space? Yeah, I think there's, there's always that, that thought, you know, especially when it's something that's, you know, in terms of conventions to me, I mean, there's, there's so many different kinds, especially when it comes to, to geek oriented conventions. I think Gen Con is always going to be one of those that, that stands that it's just, it's been there a really long time and it's kind of, it's one of the, the precedents for which other conventions are set. And we never want to compete with them. Our main thing is just, it's done out of the love of what they've been able to bring to Indiana for us, mm -hmm. you know, and I know they've been in other states for numerous years and, you know, they were kind enough to come here and they've been really enjoying the reception they've received. And so our thing is, you know, we wanted to create something similar. We're not trying to make a, a copy of them. We just basically, our whole goal was the fact that people enjoy it so much and it's four days out of a year, you know, where numerous people that I've talked to all over the place, you know, it's like you're counting down until it. And then once it's here, you have the four days and then you're counting down until it again. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and there's, there's other ones to go to and different things like that. I mean, you've got origins, you've got all these different kinds. And so what we really wanted to do and the purpose behind our convention is one of the side effects we hope to have is to encourage more people to go to Gen Con because our convention is based on popular culture. So what we want to be able to do is have people who, if they just like comic books or they just like TV shows about geek stuff can come in and learn about all the other geek things that are going on. And actually, I, I like the fact that you said that you're not trying to be a copy of Gen Con because that's the other thing that I tend to see as potential early failures is when people basically approach and say, you know what, I'm doing a con and it's going to be the next Gen Con. And <laughs> I, I always 
really just, I, I shudder whenever anybody says that. Cause even with ours, uh, and we ran a very small con, I didn't even want to be the big con in Minnesota. You know, mm-hmm. th- there is an annual con here, con of the North that we all go to and attend. I didn't want to be them. I didn't want to compete with them or anything like that. I just wanted kind of like what you're talking about. I, here's what I wanted out of a convention. And here's what I can bring to the table for a convention. And here's another space. And for us, it was a strictly gaming convention. So it was just like, let's give people a comfortable kind of family community oriented space to game. And that was more my mission statement than I need to be the next kind of the North. I need to be the next, you know, Gen Con. It's just, here's what I can bring to the table to help the community. Exactly. And I mean, I I think that's a huge thing for us too is, I mean, any convention and different things like that, like you're going to come down to the point where people are like, well, why are you doing it? You know, and we're we're not going to say that we're just doing this out of the kindness of our heart. You know, like it's obviously going to take our time and our money to get this going. And we do hope to make some money on it. But the, the primary reason is just we want to continue to fuel this community. You know, we, we want to be able to, to see people like, find new avenues that they can go to and new things that they can explore that I think one of the the reasons I know that I was so behind this is I'm amazed at the amount of people that you'll talk to and they're like, yeah, I read comics. And I'm like, oh, well, have you ever thought about playing this game? You know, it's a board game. And they're like, I don't play board games. Board games are silly. And I'm like, well, I mean, what, what's your, they're like, oh, well, it's just, and then they have this idea in mind where it's something like, you know, Axis and Allies is their only experience with a board game, mm-hmm. you know, or people are like, man, that's really cool when people dress up in costumes. I'm like, well, have you ever thought about doing it? And they're like, no, that's ridiculous. So like, it would take so much time and I don't know. And I think that's what it is, is like just having a place where people can come and they can try out games. They can see like all this is connected. And the great part is, you know, and I'm sure it's the same for you guys and up in the north cover a lot of things, but then you have the smaller genre conventions, you know, um, we've got like an anime convention here. We've got a Star Trek convention and all that stuff. And so it's one of those, if people come and then they realize that's something they really enjoy, then we'd love to be able for them to be like, yeah, there's another Star Trek convention to be here in this time, you know? And if we can get you to where you go, then that's, that's perfect for us. Like we just want to bring everybody together, you know? You know, we talked about, you know, you guys getting together and, and uh, starting this process and we're not quite to where you're ready to bring it to Kickstarter yet, but we've kind of danced around a little bit. So maybe, maybe we should uh, offer this up to the listeners as well. But what is Indie PopCon? You, you've kind of talked about it. it's, it's pop culture, but uh, I think it's it's kind of interesting in the fact that you're not just gaming. You're not just or even a gaming and comic convention, but you are a pop culture convention. So what does that mean for people that are going to be attending this year? So what popular culture means for us and and what we've done, we tried to through our website, which is indiepopcon.com and that's I-N-D-Y is we've broken it down into nine categories. Um, And it basically it's trying to cover and we'll always end up missing things, but all the different categories we believe kind of represent popular culture and where it's at right now. So we've got and, and I'm always awful at this, but there's there's comics, gaming, anime, sci-fi, fantasy, arts and music, internet, numerous morks. I, I have more fingers here that don't have categories to them as I try to cut it off. But basically, like all the different parts of it. Yeah, so Cos- cosplay and TV and movies and all that. Yeah. All, all, all that good stuff. All that good stuff. And so, like I was saying before, it's 
really what we want to do is be able to entice people that are already that already have experience with certain categories in with the things that we're going to be offering that once they come in, they can start to explore the different categories they don't know. So we're really hoping, you know, we're going to have celebrities, panels, cosplay contests, uh, many of the traditional things that you're going to see at conventions. What we're also hoping to have is a lot more interactive stuff and after hours things for people as well. And I think now that the first of the year is over and we can start compiling a lot of this, we should be able to start officially announcing a lot of it. But I mean, a lot of it will be in terms of if there's something you want to learn how to do, or there's something you have interest in that we have at the convention, we want to have a way for you to be able to learn how to do that. Um, whether it be cosplay, gaming, whatever, you know, you want to learn how to play a game, there'll be somewhere for that to happen. Whether it be an old game, a new game, I'm really hoping to get some old crappy retro games in there like some of those old vhs based ones where people can sit down and play those i'm sure you remember those yeah 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 <laughs> yeah you still got a couple i know i miss uh not vhs related but remember uh the the dark tower oh yeah <laughs> i wish i had a working dark tower game right now <laughs> <laughs> so you know this is a, a pretty ambitious convention overall i mean that's that's a lot of subcultures to try to bring under one roof, which is kind of one of the reasons I'm assuming you guys had wanted to go to Kickstarter because that's, that is a lot of space needed to be able to divvy up space for everybody to be able to have a place to be comfortable at the con, I guess. Where along the line, I guess, while doing some of the planning, did you go, you know what, let's, uh, let's take a stab at Kickstarter? I think once, you know, we had, like we, we had our space and stuff like that. Uh, we purchased our initial convention space and we started putting our floor plan together. We realized, you know, because a lot of it for, for a convention, you know, like in order for us to be able to have this convention go on, we have to be able to, to pay for it, you know, and so a lot of that will be not only the money that, that we're putting into it, but as well, like the vendors and things like that, how any convention runs. And so we realized, okay, well, with our floor layout and the way that it is, that'll be able to help us pay for what we've set up. But then we're like, well, what about the space for all the gaming that we want to do? And what had happened was the convention center itself, our Indianapolis or Indiana downtown convention center, they just renovated it. And typically there's a bunch of small secondary rooms that you can usually rent out, but they were like many of them due to whatever else was going on during our weekend were already booked. So we were kind of left with well, we could get another big convention hall space or we're not going to have as much space as we were hoping to for gaming. And that's really where our thought for Kickstarter came in was because we're like, we, we want to have the gaming, you know, we want to have as much as possible, but we're like with our budgeting, the way that we had had it for the first year, we did not have enough money budgeted for that. And so that was really our desire with the Kickstarter was to test out and see if the public had as much interest in it as we did, you know, and obviously you want to put, there's going to be rewards, vendors, different, like different things that can be put into it for a Kickstarter. But that was really our, our main goal with that was to see if the public had as much support, I get, or the public supported us as much as we were hoping, which they totally came through and it was amazing. 
So let me ask you this. I mean, when dealing with, say, like a game project or something, obviously they have fairly defined already pledge levels that they're going to be able to do, right? I mean, hey, you want a game? Pledge at this level, that kind of thing. Uh, was it difficult for you guys to kind of work in different pledge levels for something like a con other than just saying, hey, pre-reg through Kickstarter, basically? That is definitely one of the harder things when trying to kickstart a convention past a game or something like that. I can't remember the exact name of it, but there was one in Ohio that Tony Moore, a convention in Ohio that Tony Moore was behind. I don't know if you remember that one at all. Not off the top of my head, no. Yeah, it was like uh, SensiCon or something like that. Oh, Um, okay. But yeah, he went through basically and he was able to bring in a bunch of artist friends so that when they put their Kickstarter up, it was a huge success because they were not only offering like pre-reg on certain stuff, but they also offered up some of their artwork. So you had people like Tony Moore, who's responsible for, you know, he was the co-creator of The Walking Dead. Um, he's done a whole bunch of comic book art and stuff like that besides, you know, and they got a whole, he got a whole bunch of other friends to come and, you know, their Kickstarter pledge levels were crazy in the amount because it was like, I want to say five to seven different artists all offering up either prints or original artwork, stuff like that. So that their convention was able to be supported, not only by the people supporting the convention, but also just fans of those artists. And I think with us, you know, not having like big names behind that, it becomes a bit harder when it's just, yeah, pre-reg and different things like that. Like you want to be able to give your fans something concrete and something right away for the commitment that they've made. You kind of said it, but you guys didn't have huge names when you were starting out behind getting Indie PopCon off the ground. But let's look at, again, I, I want to point out, I mean, you guys were looking for 12000 which seems extremely lofty, especially for a convention coming out of, like I said, I, there were a few before you that kind of burst that bubble, which was good, but I don't think they were necessarily looking for that much either. But to go from 12000 to raising over 16000 I mean, that's, that's huge. Uh, that, that speaks volumes to one, obviously, uh, people want another convention and two people, uh, believe you guys had a plan in place to, uh, bring them a good convention. So that's awesome. Yeah. We, and again, can't thank our supporters enough. I mean, it's, it really helps us and it, it gives us that great, like continual motivation to, to make sure that we do our best to make this the best convention that the indie's seen. All right, so you guys put this together. You guys decide you needed to try to utilize Kickstarter to get that $12,000 to make it a bigger convention than you originally had budgeted for. What research did you guys do going into pre-launch of the Kickstarter? We went and we did, like, we looked up all the conventions that had used Kickstarter previously, uh, the successful ones, the the failed ones, you know. Um, there's a book out... I can't remember what his exact title is, but somebody's actually published a book on how to uh, launch successful Kickstarters. I think we, the majority of us all read that, you know, we, we tried to find um, as much information that was useful for us from it as possible. You know, there's that whole thought that you're going to have, it's, it's just a giant U shape in terms of your investment in, in the Kickstarter where you're going to have, your biggest investments in the very beginning and at the very end. Mm -hmm. We recognize that a lot of them now, like you, you have to have a video Mm -hmm. pretty much. 
that was the thought on it. And it's not you have to, but like the majority of successful Kickstarter campaigns have a video behind it, you know, something that people can watch, you know, and it kind of helps them identify with it and get an idea for what's going on. So there was basically a, a lot of research that we put into it. You know, we made sure that we had our goals down in terms of what we were offering. We tried to make sure that we had not only different types of rewards, but at the right amounts, you know, and, and a lot of it was just trying to find anybody that we knew that had done successful Kickstarters as well and just garner whatever information we could from them. You know, and the other thing I, we talked about trying to come up with pledge levels that are more than just, Hey, uh, pre-reg for the con, but you guys had your stretch goals ahead of time. I mean, how, how about that? I mean, again, for a convention, how do you go, Hey, there's a uh, more convention. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, for us, you know, we basically, and, and that, yeah, that makes that that's a very good point. There were certain things that we knew we wanted to do and certain things that other conventions had done that we really appreciated and wanted to have in ours. And, you know, a lot of that came from when we were first getting together and doing all of our budget allocating and realizing what we could afford the first year versus what we couldn't, you know, and basically the way that we looked at that was we kind of, once we had our budget down and we're like, okay, this is what we can do the first year. Then we made a list of all the things that if we were able to receive, like if we were able to make additional money some other way to up the level that we could spend, what would be our first like purchases with that? And that's where all of our stretch goals came from. You know, like the carpet was a huge thing that we really wanted, especially recognizing, you know, if we're going to have a three day convention, we don't want people I mean, you've been to conventions. I've been to conventions. You know, man, when you're walking those floors for three days, like if you're walking bare concrete versus carpet, there's a huge difference. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're like, that's that's something that we want to do. And I think a lot of it in terms for us of having those stretch goals was not only having something that would having something that we knew that we wanted um, that would be good for the convention, but also something that people could look at and it makes sense to them. Um, if somebody's going to support and they're like, oh, if I help them get to their stretch goal and I get I get carpet to walk around on, they're like, I understand that. You know, whereas if it's, it's something else and I wish I could think of better examples, but, you know, something that doesn't make sense to the person, then they're going to be a lot less likely to want to support something like that. It seems like a, for a convention, especially using Kickstarter, there's a, a huge uphill battle in the initial planning just from, okay, well, what are we doing for pledge levels? What are we doing for stretch goals since we're not like shipping thing, a, a ton of stuff around? I mean, you might do some, like you said, some, some people might do artwork and stuff like that, but there's only so much you can do. And, you know, t-shirts and stuff like that aren't always the best way to go, especially if you're going to ship them. Yeah. Cause those are uh, money eaters in their own right that you got to double plan for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's your realistic ex expectation for attendance? We all, every, every one of us that's ever planned a convention has the dream attendance, but what's the uh, a, a realistic expectation that you guys are planning for in the planning process? Uh, we are, our realistic planning is for 10,000. It's a lot of gamers. <laughs> I'm sorry, con goers. It's, not, it's, not just Midwest, gamers. it's the Midwest. We're saturated with it. You're in a great area. I mean, that that's one of the things 
that obviously probably assisted you guys a lot as well. I mean, everybody is well aware of the convention space for Gen Con already and, and how well that space can be utilized. So, uh, it's, it's not unfamiliar <laughs> to a lot of con goers. So that's always a plus. So yeah, you, uh, you have the potential. So is there any, was there any concern with you guys, especially with like picking the date? It's like, wow, we got, we got to make sure we're not too close to Gen Con. Cause you know, a lot of us start, like you said, the four days are over. You start planning for the next four days, uh, which includes budget <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. So was there any thought into, into that when you guys were planning this out? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's always, you know, I, I think, I think it'll always can continuously be one of those looking at and trying to find the date that works best to be sufficiently far enough away from Gen Con, but not too far, not too far in another demographic, not demographic isn't the right word. There's, there's just so much Indiana can definitely, as people know, the convention center is great about being able to hold that many people and all those things. There's so many other things going on in Indianapolis though, that it becomes important to make sure that you don't put yourself in the wrong place. Like I know there's another convention that wants to come to Indy, but they wanted to come during the big 10 basketball championship. And so those are the type of things that we want to stay away from. Right. And you guys have to deal with quite a bit too, with where you're at is the fact that there is so much that comes through the Indianapolis convention center. In fact, last year was the big, uh, everybody was in the brouhaha over the hotel space because, uh, what was there last, what was there this last year? <laughs> yeah. The, the Grand Prix. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The Grand Prix was there. And then, so everybody, you know, and then there was that whole, uh, forum, th- you know, and here's the thing that I enjoyed about that whole thing. No matter which side you looked at, as far as the, uh, outrage and the disgust, they, both sides of that argument were saying the exact same things about the other side. <laughs> <laughs> how, how dare you don't they know who we are kind of stuff uh but then yeah there was that whole conspiracy thing where they're like oh you know you can just you know kind of say you're going to gen con and you can get their ho- you can snag their hotels and all this kind of stuff there were some interesting things going on around that time that was and i mean were you able to be downtown during that i was okay did you were you able to see like I love the fact what they did is they took the main street in Indianapolis Meridian and they cut it off. So motorcycles could just like park up and down this main, like the most populous, the most widely used road in Indianapolis. They cut it off. So it could be nothing but motorcycles during the nighttime. And this is during like Friday, Saturday and Sunday night. And then as you watch, it's like this huge mat. It's like West side story. (laughs) You've got biker guys and then like nerds some of which dressed as stormtroopers and they're all just co-mingling and it was amazing to watch. Yeah, I was I was trying to get through that massive crowd one evening. I think it was a uh, Saturday cuz we we I had a uh, a meet and greet on the other end on the other end in a in a pub and then I had a scheduled uh we were doing lightning round interviews where we had a bunch of people just come in and, on two different podcasts and, and just take like five, 10 minutes to get interviewed on both podcasts. And, and we put it together as our like Gen Con special. But uh, I just had to quickly try to get I, I had to try to attend both and quickly get from one end to the other for both. And yeah, it was right in the middle of that mashup and it was, it was a nightmare at, at times, but at the same time, it was, it was, yeah, it was really cool. I mean, it was, uh, all the, uh, you know, all the internet bashing went away and people just coexisted. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing when, when it's just, you know, people there, it's like, you'll find a way to accommodate one another. 
That or, you know, us geeks will have to throw down and bash some, some bikers in. Ain't no thing. So you guys are, are looking to uh, bring uh, 10,000 con goers uh, in for May. And again, you guys are, you guys are covering, I mean, everything. It's, uh, it, it just, it kind of boggles my mind. I mean, I, I go to a couple very focused conventions and of course there's a, a couple that, you know, are, are comics and gaming kind of thing, but you guys are just doing a lot of, like you said, all things pop culture in, in one sitting. How are you guys, you know, just dealing with the, the planning and the logistics of all of that? How's that going down for you? I mean, it just, it seems like a lot just looking at the website. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, and, and I'm talking about just looking at the front page of the website. It's like, Hey, we're doing this, this and this and this and this and this. It's like, Oh my God, that is an insane amount of planning. And of course you did say you have like eight core people and you did say core, which I do like, cause I, I'm aware of that too. So uh, I'm assuming that you have an outside of core kind of volunteers and, and helpers also assisting as this gets closer or. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's really, I mean, that's another great thing about, you know, when you want to bring something like this to the public is the, I mean, the amount of people that come forward that want to help. And so, yeah, like you were saying, and, and like I was saying, we have eight core um, group members and then there's been even more people who have been great about coming in and helping support us so that, you know, something that when you go to our page and looks crazy at the beginning of it, we're able to break it down so that it's manageable for different groups of people to be able to work on. And that's, that's really been, you know, the, the best part about it is wanting to all these people coming together that all want to work on something, you know? So instead of us finding all these issues that, that stops us from doing it, we're all just finding solutions to any problems that we have, you know, so we continue to move forward and nothing is, I guess the way that I look at it is numerous times, like if I'm doing something that I don't want to do numerous times, I'll be able to find ways to make it not work. Whereas if it's something that I really want to happen, I will do everything in my power to find solutions to the small problems to keep it going. You know, and I think that's the outlook that all of us have had on it. All right. Now that you're kind of looking in the rearview mirror at a successful project, what kind of lessons did you guys learn through the Kickstarter process? Well, I think one of the the main things that, that we learned um, for us specifically was, you know, any products, um, or any merchandise that we wanted to put up there as a reward, if possible, to have images of it up so that people could get a better idea of what they were receiving for their money. I think we did a, a fairly good job keeping, I mean, the main part for us too was as well realizing to keep our name out there as best we could so that once we passed, you know, cause you have your initial outset where you start the Kickstarter c- campaign and you know, that three to four days will kind of, that's your momentum there in the beginning, but we needed to make sure to keep our name like in people's minds as we were getting to the end of it, you know, and by like, we had a couple events here in Indianapolis to help people just continue to keep our name out there and stuff like that and to promote it. Because I know part of the help was we were looking at like once, I think once our Kickstarter was successfully funded, I think then on Kickstarter itself, it became more like a, a higher kind of priority or like they, they showed it, I think, or I'm not a hundred percent sure how that works or the right words. So you'll have to forgive me, but no, that's right. So at one point they kind of uh, had you as a featured project. I think so. Yeah. In terms of like, whether 
And I think it was still in a subcategory, whether it was like in conventions or if it was in Indiana or something like that. But yeah, once ours was successfully funded, then it became more featured for them. They got behind it a lot more in terms of, of showing it off. You had some local events, which obviously is, is helpful for the local community, but something, especially a, a con like this out of Indianapolis, you're obviously looking for a, a very large net that you're trying to cast to get more people to come in. What else did you do to kind of keep your, your name in, in front of people outside of Indianapolis even? I know that Sean, our, our internet fella and, and tubes guru, he did a bunch of kind of larger pushes within the community. We did a few other podcasts. We made sure to get on there and talk about it. I'm trying to think of what other things, because again, I think this is one of the places where I spectacularly fall short in terms of having the, the right information for you. That's all right. I mean, you guys, it was, it was something that you kept in mind throughout the project is that people needed to know that you existed and, and that your project was there and, and, and don't forget that we're uh, attempting to fund this. I mean, you did the communication side of things, which yeah. is a huge thing. It's, it's, uh, you know, you mentioned one other thing too was like, you know, making sure you had a video and stuff like that. And you kind of said it, you, you said, uh, you know, you don't necessarily have to have a video, but it helps. And that's one of the things. And it's actually one of, uh, I've had a couple of people ask me if I would just do a, uh, an episode on it and I'm thinking about doing it here towards the first of the year, but I've been a very big proponent of there is a process, uh, especially now that Kickstarter is here and you know, some people still say there's a huge bubble, but it, it's here to stay in one form or another. Uh, oh, e- even if something bursts, I mean, it, Kickstarter's not going anywhere. Oh yeah. But I, I've been a firm believer in the fact that there is a process to giving your project a chance. And I always make sure I put that part into it. It's to give your project a chance. It's not to say, here's the process that means you will 100% guaranteed or your money back <laughs> have your project fund. But there are things and there are formulas. And I've, I've even gone as far as saying you, you may not need to follow all of them, but even if you hit like two thirds of them, you're giving your project a better chance. And really, yeah. in the big ocean that has become Kickstarter, you need every chance you can get. <laughs> exactly. No, and I, th- I think that's a really good thing. But I think as well, you should do a Kickstarter just for doing Kickstarters. And your video should just be you making an infomercial, just basically that you described. Uh, is there anything that you want to uh, let people know before we're, we're getting close to the end of the hour here? So is there anything you want people to know before we wrap up? Just I uh, I thank everybody for their time and listening to us. And if you have any interest in what you've heard, you can always check out our website, which I'm sure you guys will have a pliggity plug for, yep. I would hope. We will uh, definitely be adding it into the show notes. But again, that's IndiePopCon.com. And IndiePopCon will be May 30th through June 1st, 2014. Is Pre-Reg still going on past the Kickstarter? It is. Yes, sir. You can do it all through our website. Okay, and uh, what's the pre-reg price? Uh, the pre-reg price is going to be the pre-sale pricing is three days is three day pass is forty five dollars. Um, no fees from us, so that's just going to be a straight forty five. Friday is twenty, Saturday is twenty five, Sunday is twenty, and then all those amounts go up five dollars if you get it at the door. And then you can find uh, Indie Popcon on uh, Facebook and Twitter as well. So uh, just Indie Popcon. And I will uh, include those links as well in the show notes. So 
Chase, thanks for hanging out with me, man. Yeah, thank you so much, sir. And I hope you get to, yeah, get get more liquids and stuff like that. If anybody tries <laughs> to give you crap for for not being able to get as much done, just let them know. I'll I'll drive to wherever wherever and <laughs> cough on them because I'm yeah. sick. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> I don't know how much of it will actually make it into the uh, actual interview, but yeah, Chase, Chase and I are troopers. We uh, <laughs> we we did this sick and on January first, where a lot of yeah. people would shy away and say, you know what, this is this is my day to rest. Yeah, we're not resting. <laughs> no, we love you people too much. <laughs> All right, Chase. Uh, again, thanks a lot for for hanging out with me and having this conversation. It's been a lot of fun. I look forward to uh, hearing what goes on with Indie PopCon and, and see it grow over the years here, man. Oh, well, thank you so much for, for taking the time out. And maybe uh, here sometime in the future we can say, uh, you know, there, there's an All Us Geek special coming out of Indie PopCon. Ooh, <laughs> I hope so, too. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a sexy good time right there. All right, man. Take care. All right. You too, sir. 